welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. You're listening to the Summer of Mentorship series, and this is week five with Dr. Peggy Banks. And just to know that, that whatever your story is, you know, that God can change it, He can transform it uh, so that others would see His power and glory in and through your life. So that's been a, it's a great privilege for me, and it's a great privilege to introduce women, even now all over the world, to see that their life matters to God, and they are just as important to Him as, as any woman is who might be leading another kind of ministry. They have a ministry, and they have influence right in their own community, in their own circle of friends and family. And so every woman is valued and has opportunities to find hope and healing in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope and healing through the person of Jesus Christ. No matter where we are, whatever pain, whatever hard thing, whatever broken place uh, you're bringing today, wherever you are listening, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you have decided to take this time to find that hope and that healing. And it can only come through Jesus. And that we need that hope and that healing when we're in the middle of pain. I'm going through the book of James with our church, the first chapter we're focusing in on. And, you know, James tells us to consider it all joy when we encounter trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance and that endurance will have its perfect results so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's goal is full redemption. Jesus came. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, which was to make you whole which was to make you whole. He suffered on the cross to make you whole. And today, Peggy and I are going to talk about this pain. She's going to share her own hard story. She's going to share how God has used that to launch her into ministry to women. And right now, she's moved on from uh, ministering in our church to being a global director at Project Hannah, which is a vision of Transworld Radio, or TWR. She's doing great things all over the world. And today she's encouraging us to not uh, not only wait till the pain is over and we can tell our story, but in the midst of it, how do you encourage and spur one another on? How do you continue to vulnerably share with others? We also narrow in on what does it mean to meet with Jesus? Maybe you've heard people talk about that, but you don't even know what that phrase means. This episode originally aired in June of 2016. And I've added it in this Summer of Mentorship series because Peggy was a personal mentor of mine. She was integral in my Holy Spirit journey, and I'm thrilled to share her with you today. I will tell you that part of that pain story I mentioned in the intro there includes some domestic abuse. And so if that's a trigger for you, I just wanted to let you know about that before you listened. All right, let's get to my conversation with Peggy. Here we go. Hey, Peggy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hi, Heather. So fun being with you today. Oh, man. I know I don't get to see you every week anymore. So, you know, this is just going to have to do for today. Oh, I know. <laughs> get a little I Peggy. <laughs> Such a big fan. Um, I would love if you would introduce everyone listening uh, to yourself and a little bit about what you're doing now, now that you've left <laughs> being uh. our women's <laughs> minister. Yes, uh, yes, that's right. Heather, I met you when I was working as a minister of spiritual formation yes. and Heather and the women's minister there at the church. And today I have the wonderful privilege of being the global ministry director for Project Hannah, which is a ministry of Transworld Radio. 
and been in that position since February. It's fantastic. We have um, a prayer ministry, a prayer movement all over the world, about 50,000 intercessors that are praying our prayer calendar in 127 different countries, translated into over 85 different languages. And then we have a radio program and a digital platform that uh, produces some Women of Hope programs that are translated into 69 different languages. Wow. So I get the wonderful privilege to love these women, care for them, lead an amazing global leadership team. It's just been real fun. And you've had a passion for ministering to women yes. for, you know, since forever, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe since forever. But would you tell, like, I would love for you to just share your story, share mm-hmm. everyone with everyone how you got to where you are. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a story just like any other story that has ups and downs, has excitement, has mystery, has um, you know, pain, mm-hmm. suffering. Uh but, you know, I didn't grow up as a Christian. Uh, I grew up in a religious home but didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh so I I grew up around um some dysfunction, some anger and um bitterness and resentment. My father died uh, two weeks before I was born. Mm. My mother had three other children at the time. And um, so it was difficult. It was difficult for us, for my mother, who was grieving the loss of her husband. Mm -hmm. And um, it was difficult for her to connect with me. Mm -hmm. And then so when I was seven, my mother remarried and my stepfather adopted us. And, you know, it it was a difficult relationship for me. I never really connected with him, felt uncomfortable with some things that... Um, he was doing as a, for me as a little girl. Mm. And so, you know, as a young girl, 13, 14, 15, I started to find my identity and my security and my relationships with boys and in my performance, I became uh, very much a high achiever. And, um, but I, I also became very attached, uh, to relationships and that, um, went on into my thirties. Um, and, at the time, in my 30s, I had become a fitness specialist uh, and owned a, an aerobic studio, if you can believe it. Hey, and, I've seen pictures. Uh, I can. I, yeah, right. I will be in so pictures. fun, still teaching aerobics. Isn't that crazy? But anyway. You are? Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's I love nuts. it. I um, love it. But so I had a fitness studio, and one of the women in my studio, she invited me to her church. Hmm. And I went to church with her. and heard about having a personal relationship with Jesus. That was different for me because I knew how to live out this religious routine, but not really understand a relationship with him. Mm. Well, and uh, ha- not having a lot of male healthy relationships. To oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That word doesn't, it didn't really have much. Yeah. Wait to it. No, it really didn't. And, it, and, um, but, you know, I was really, dying inside Mm. because I had this life that looked really great on the outside with fitness and I was training professional athletes and I was, you know, I'd won a national championship, but I was actually dating a guy, Heather, who Mm. was um, physically, verbally, and sexually abusive to me Mm. and nobody knew about it. Mm. And so I was hiding behind this mask of having it all together, being an overachiever. And that day at church, I took off that mask of having it all together and uh, gave my life to Christ. Mm. But I realized, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus, I had to get out of this abusive relationship. And so I came home from church and called my boyfriend and 
tried to end the relationship again, which, you know, with domestic violence, that's kind of the pattern. I end it and then go back to it and end it and go back. Mm. But I ended it. I thought he took it well. And then that night uh, broke into my apartment and held me captive for several hours, abusing me and saying that if he couldn't have me, nobody else would. Mm. He came there to kill me. And, and, you know, at that moment, I realized that Jesus became my refuge and my strength in times of trouble. Mm. You know, the day I gave my life to Christ, the pastor preached on that message from Psalm 46.1, that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. And when my boyfriend left my apartment that night, I knew that God was my refuge and uh, ever since then, he has been everything to me. He has been, you know, my counselor, my comforter, uh, my best friend, my husband of my heart. And I just started down this path of trusting him. He revealed himself to me in the scriptures, showed me the I am's of who Jesus is. And I started walking down this path of hope. Hmm. And it's been, been really, really great to see him as my bread and my light the gate uh, that gives me new life, gives me eternity. I've seen him as my good shepherd who loves me and cares for me. I see him as a resurrection that gives me new life uh, and a new identity. And I see him as the way and the truth and the life for me to follow. And then today he is my vine. He's the vine that sustains me mm. in everything that I go through, even, even pain today and disappointments, you know, so... So I'm thinking about the woman listening who may be in that situation, and I don't want to let that pass. Um, what I know that you went to the church and you felt like you needed to end that relationship, and you said it. It's hard because you keep going back, and and uh, you found Jesus to be your strength. Was was there any other thing that helped you break that bondage in that relationship? Yes, absolutely. There were friends in my mm. life. Uh, there was a mentor in my life, my, who is still my spiritual mom. Hmm. And you know what it took was, and this was one of the hardest things for me because I was this independent, um, you know, try to do it on my own, not tell anybody what I was going through kind of woman. And it took courage uh, for me that I believe only God could have given me to call her and, and say, I need help. And I remember that day I called her, I was shaking, I was, I didn't want to reveal who I really was to yeah. somebody. Yeah. And, um, and it was so hard, but she, you know, listened and loved me, walked me through some really painful um, healing, you mm. know, through the scriptures, but also, you know, some real practical things that she had me do and step through. So yes, friends, mentors, I had women in my life that really um, I, I allowed to speak into my life. And, um, and I still do that today. I, so important to have people around you that know you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I never would have believed that. I didn't believe it before I was a Christian. I even had trouble the first 10 years, I would say, of my Christian life, trusting people mm-hmm. um, with that. And, you know, God has really shown me, I, I entrust them <laughs> to the Lord and then I trust them with my stuff, but I entrust them to God to carry carry it with, you know, what they have to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's this um, false impression of Christianity mm-hmm. from those newer to it that 
that you won't be kicked out of the group yes. <laughs> if if they find out that there's any weakness or past hurt or wrong of any kind. Yeah. Even if in your situation it wasn't that you had done anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have our part, but I don't think, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. Their pain that you've had experienced, a lot of it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't help that you were born two weeks after your father died. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. there's a lot of pain and wounding that women carry around, mm-hmm. and we hide mm-hmm. because if I say it, people will think less of me. Right. Yeah. And so, it, how how do you get, how did you get the bravery to do it? You know, I found more and more, and I recently see this with some younger friends that I have today in some small groups that I'm leading, mentoring this next generation of young women. And I would be sitting in these groups and I would, in my heart and in my mind, want them to know that whatever they shared with me, I was going to love them no matter what. Right. 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 So I had this in my heart. I had it in my mind, but if I never said anything, you know, if I never told a part of my story and how Jesus intersected in my life, they didn't feel, they didn't know that I felt that way. Mm. So the more that people said to me, well, I just, I don't feel, you know, comfortable sharing with you because you never share any part of yourself with me. And so I had people challenge me and say, you know, why don't you ever share any part of your life with me? And, and that was true. They were, being a counselor, I have my master's in religion and counseling. I, I ask good questions. I want to listen to them. I want them to know that whatever they share with me, I will accept them and love them. But then that's great in counseling. But in friendships and relationships, like they're like, well, I want to hear your life too. And so right. I had to start practicing that. Mm-hmm. And there were some friends that were able to listen and hear and love me no matter what. And there were some friends that couldn't. Yeah. And uh, and that was painful at times, but um, the risk, you know, I was willing to take a risk for Jesus <laughs> yeah. and say, I, I want to let some people in, Lord, because how will they know that I accept them if they never hear anything of my life? And for me to take a risk to know if they'll accept me. So it takes, it's a risk, but uh, I tell you, that's what God wants for us. It really is. There's such freedom to then know you have a voice, you know. Yeah. So. What I hear you saying is, you know, us sharing, we need to find safe people, people that are being vulnerable with us and and inviting us in. And then, and then we know they're a place we can go. And then for us to be a safe place, we need to share. So it's basically, we just need to share it. Like we can't, (laughs) we can't hide it. The, the pretending is the fake. Um, you know, our small group just started going to the recovery for life as a small group. And it's just interesting to be in that space it's like a, a no no more pretending zone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like everyone's like, here I am. And I kept feeling like I had to apologize, like give an excuse, like, well, I'm just here with my small group. There's really, <laughs> I really don't have any issue I need to recover from. I mean, I'm just, we're just, we're just visiting kind yes. of thing, which is ridiculous because yes. of course I have stuff. I mean, everyone's got stuff. Who yes. are we? I mean, who are we kidding if we think <laughs> there's nothing yeah. going on with our hearts? you know, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, you finding that mentor, you being that mentor is huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah, Cause I think you also, I know I did this, I, I fell into this 
you know, this pattern of leadership development and I'm the leader and I'm the facilitator mm-hmm. of the group and you don't share a lot of yourself. You just want them to talk, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and and there's, there's a place for that. Uh, and, but then you also just don't want to share a bunch of stories either. I think they're, you want to get into how God's intersected your life or how you're struggling with God. I mean, mm-hmm. how are you struggling with it right now? I'm struggling with trusting him. I'm struggling with his love. I'm, I'm struggling with the waiting. I'm struggling with unanswered prayer. You know, just that whole, oh, oh if I'm a Christian, I never want to tell anyone I'm struggling with God. Well, <laughs> you know, the Bible's filled with people who are struggling with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so mm-hmm. that's important to be open and transparent about that. So you come from this place, and you uh, you, said, you even said the first 10 years of being a Christian, it was hard mm. to trust people. Mm. And um, and I would even think, you know, the trauma of that scenario where you're trapped in your home mm. um, with your the ex-boyfriend. I mean, what, what level of just this mentoring and this counseling— and then were you helping others in the midst of that? Or how long did it take before this became a ministry for you to reach out to other women? You know? Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't long. I mean, God put me on a fast track. And I think he does that with all of us. He can do that. He wants to do that with all of us. If we, yeah. Uh, if, if we, we allow him, yeah. right? If we just let him. And so even within the first year, I mean, I definitely was, I went back to school, I sold my business, did all those kinds of things. But within the first year, I was hired to work at a a church, on a church staff. Um, I started, I was in counseling classes. I was taking, you know, my, my degree, toward my degree for counseling. They had a lay counseling ministry. I signed up for it. And so I started helping people right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, at that point, it was out of this... I can, um, the empathy, I can empathize with you because I've been there kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But yet it was more um, learning how God's word brings hope and healing. You know, it wasn't just I've been there because I didn't know. I mean, I certainly have been there physically and emotionally, but I was still learning on how God's word brings hope and healing. Mm-hmm. So even as I was growing through it and learning about it, I was helping others go through it too. And I would say, you know, sometimes the council was probably very shallow at times because my depth of understanding of God's word was, you know, still growing. But the the safe place that I was able to provide for others, I think, was what God was asking me to do. Just be this safe place and and start even in your pain, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about that. So if someone's listening and they are in the midst of something really painful, whether uh, it's something in their marriage, it's something with a child, it's something with a parent, I mean, all these family relationships yes. that cause so much pain and, uh, or it is a past wound. Um, yeah. So often on social media or from the stage, if we're at a conference, we hear the story of this is what happened mm-hmm. 10 or 15, 20 years ago. And now God's used it for this. Yes, and it's all right. tied up in a pretty bow and we can, it's a Cinderella story and we yeah. can all applaud, you know, what God's done, but someone still is in the rags and, and they're, you know, cleaning up the kitchen and they aren't, they aren't with the prince in the kingdom yet. Right. What advice and suggestions do you have for that person? Yeah. So the one very simple thing to start with is, you know, just do the next thing that God shows you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just do the next thing. But, but here, here's the deal. The relationship with Jesus for me 
became, um, again, what sustained me through the pain and suffering and still does today. But I had to learn that when I went through a, a great disappointment within the first five years of my marriage, very, very painful um, situation. And I was extremely disappointed in God, in my marriage, in the ministry, and was really challenged in where I was finding my identity. Hmm. Some things were, were taken away in the sense of dreams and hopes and the, those kinds of things, realizing that that was not going to happen. Uh, and what I dreamed this relationship was going to look like and this ministry was going to look like. But yet I still had to, I still had women I was caring for. Mm. And so every day, Heather, I, I was intentional to, to spend time with the Lord mm. and, and pain and suffering and crying out, not having, you know, okay, sit down, read five verses, journal. It, was, it wasn't that. Mm-mm. It was just show up mm. to let him um, love me, pour out his love over me. Because there was no way I was going to get through the day without it. Mm. And that suffering was so deep at that time that the only way I could have gone to work and cared for seven, eight women at a time every day at those at that time, you know, would not have happened. And so today I I still do that. Even in just I just went through a time of, of real sadness and um, loneliness. And yet this unbelievable ministry today, you know, the scope and, and the scale and, and yet to know that there's no way I could do it unless I was with the Lord mm-hmm. every morning for me. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, today it looks different for me. It's just a worship. It's a prayer. It's allow, allowing God, you know, study looks different, but um, it's just being with him. And then I have close friends that I will text and say, could you pray right now? This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm, you know, this is where I'm at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you have people come around you and pray with you and encourage you. And then you get up and you do the next thing God tells you to do, whether that's care for your children, your husband, go to work, make a phone call, you know, um, help someone. Because what happens is now I'm able to share today. Look at I'm sharing with you today what God did for me this morning, you know, right? and even in my pain. Even in my loneliness, my isolation, um, he did it this morning. Hmm. And, and we can't wait until we don't have that, you know? Yeah, we want to get out of the pain. It's not his goal to give us a comfortable, easy life. But we... That's right. But, it, but I'm thinking of... Okay, so again, I'm thinking for the listener. And mm-hmm. she hears you say that it's not five verses, it's not this ritual, mm. but it's just being with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And she may not know what that means. Mm-hmm. What does what does that mean for you to be with Jesus? Well, you know, first it it does mean that you have received Jesus into your heart mm. as your savior. You know, the Bible says that if we say with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved, right? Mm. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins on the cross. But he didn't, you know, then he, would, he went to the cross, he died on the cross, he was buried, but he raised up on the third day. And today lives in the hearts of people who receive him as their savior to say, 
I can't do it on my own, Lord. I need you. It's that cry. You. It's that cry yeah. you just said. Yeah. The crying absolutely. out. Yeah. 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 The so, first cry out. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. So to receive him as their savior, because Mm -hmm. then now we know by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus left us with our spirit that lives in us today. Mm -hmm. So when we connect with Jesus, we realize that there is a spirit within us that is the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so when I meet with Jesus is I want to connect with him. I want to connect with that spirit in my soul, in my heart, in my mind and my everything, body, mind, and soul, and spirit, and he, we just connect, we just get alone with him. So that just means sitting quietly. It mm-hmm. means listening. It means looking out. You know, what is it that you, where do you see God's creation? Where do you see, how do you know that there is a God? Romans tells us that we will be without excuse because God gives us all these opportunities to see him. Mm-hmm. You know, one mainly being in creation. Today I'm on the beach in Florida, and I look out and I see his creation. I hear his creation. And so just connecting there with spirit, it, it takes time to yeah. learn. That. A practice of it is. stillness. A, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when you hear from God, you know, people say, oh, mm-hmm. I hear something from God. And people are like, what does that mean? You hear from God. I thought we could only read God's word. That's what God. Um, tell us about that. Well, God, you know, one way to hear from God certainly is in his word. I mean, mm-hmm. God's, the Bible is written, was written to a different generation, different people group, people, but it was written for us, written mm-hmm. to them, but it was written for us. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, you know, the breath of God is what the Bible says. And so that's his word to us. So mm-hmm. yes, we can hear from him, from the word, but we also hear from him through the spirit as mm-hmm. we quiet and we rest in him. We can hear this still small voice we can sense his presence you know mm-hmm. but it takes a discipline and a practice and it also is helpful to have maybe you know someone in your life who can guide you who has experienced that yeah um and who has known that whether it's you know we call spiritual guides or we have friends that are practicing that mm-hmm. together on their own too mm-hmm. two three women that get together and practice the presence of God. It's been done for generations, right, you right, know? Right. Uh, and so there's, there's, um, there's, you know, biographies that you can read uh, of people who have practiced the presence of God for centuries. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so just learning that, being intentional to spend time to discipline yourself uh, to practice that. And not to say that it has to be an hour every day, but to start with five minutes start with a call with a friend start with a song Mm -hmm. you know that you listen to a three four minute song and then you just are quiet and you listen Mm -hmm. um there's many ways to do it many good things that are written on how to do it and uh and i don't think you know what i think sometimes people fall into a pattern of you tell me how to do it that's the only way i can do it you know yeah yeah it works differently for everyone so well, I think that's helpful, and I think what you're saying, too, is in that painful place where it's not all tied up in a ribbon. No. You're with yeah. Jesus. You're, you're listening. You're, you're feeling his love over you, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's been key for me even in the last year is, is stopping long enough to recognize his unconditional love. So that gets away. That pulls all of, you know, you were saying performance was a thing for you and yeah. achieving and 
if you're just with Jesus and he's loving you and you're not doing anything impressive, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. then you're, you're still, and you recognize, yes, this is painful, but I'm fully loved and I can do the next thing. Like you said, mm-hmm. not from my own efforts and my own strengths, but because of his love, because of who he is for me. And, yeah. and to share, like you said, it's, you don't have to wait. I think that's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait till it's all done and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is one thing that, you know, we have to continue to <laughs> preach over and over again because we, we sense this, you know, we have to be perfect and look a certain way in order to be right with God. And, um, there it really isn't a lot of stories in the Bible that, that are, that look like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people aren't, you know, they're working through their journey with him mm-hmm. and it is that journey of trusting him and, uh, remembering that his love is the same yesterday. Uh, today and and it will be the same tomorrow and so yeah I think just helping people practice that I think more and more I'm learning Heather is that um, you know God is maybe calling me to help people walk that journey Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to meet with him Mm -hmm. and and it basically is is setting up uh, space if you will whether it's a prayer group or it's a Bible study group or it's a phone call or something where we just help walk through what it would look like um, to wait on God, to listen to God. And yeah, because I'm not one for people to tell me what to do, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Really? And it's so interesting that God would have me tell people what to do. But you know, (laughs) it's it's more of, listen, I want to, I want to provide a space for you that's safe Mm -hmm. so that you can, you can listen and learn and experience what God has for you. And that's, that's what I want for you. <laughs> well, and, and I think going back to this, you know, you're in this hard thing right now and how do we use it and, and not waste it is we're not saying you need a, okay, well now you need a blog or now you need to get a podcast or now you need to speak at a conference. Yeah. You just set a small group of yeah. two or three people. That's yeah. where the power is. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. totally convinced. I know I do have the podcast, the blog, and all that jazz. But yes. I'm telling you, anytime anyone contacts me and asks for anything, I'm like, who are your people? Exactly. Turn exactly. to your people. My people have helped me this last year. My my direct church people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> who are getting together and saying, this is hard today. And yes. this is the ongoing issue that we're praying over. And, and it's hard for me to keep praying for it. Will you pray for it? And I'll pray for your thing. And, uh, and just being in the midst of the pain together, like you're saying, and being a safe place to share that imperfection. Yeah. 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 You know, it's so funny how whenever you kind of resist something that God is doing, yeah. he, he kind of puts you through it, right? Again, because mm. I remember just this sense of when people mm. would say, oh, you need a group of friends, you know, you need community. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, God wants you in a community. Thinking, right, it's like a force down right? your throat. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. But, but until you're away from these people that you've allowed your heart to be authentic and real with, mm. uh, you realize how much you need that community mm-hmm. <laughs> of people where you're authentic. I, I will tell you right now, do not waste your time with people who will not be authentic. Don't mm-hmm. waste your time. And mm-hmm. our, our days are so limited on this earth. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, don't waste your time if people aren't going to be authentic and real and open up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it's three, four, five, six women, you know, a group of people, whatever it is, 
uh, make sure that you guys are willing to say, no, let's go through the hard stuff together. Be open. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And not be afraid. Yeah. That's good. That's good, Peggy. I always <laughs> loved that you were um, our minister and you had a tattoo. I just thought that was good. Oh. <laughs> I have three of those. Right? Three of those. Three of those. Yeah. Three tattoos. Yeah. yeah. With my sweet niece uh, this weekend also. And so we were talking about those tattoos and just how, for me, it helped me connect with a certain, you know, group of women that I was ministering to mm. and who are who have tattoos that identify who they belong to Yeah, uh, on the streets. And this tattoo, the tattoos that I have helped me to communicate who I belong to. Mm. And so that, that's been helpful for me. So. Well, before we have to go, tell everyone just a little bit of some of the different ministries I know you've done in India. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that a little bit. Sure. Just to kind of yeah, like so, cast a vision for people that may, you know, want to do stuff. You know, I, I was thinking this yesterday with a group of leaders that I, I was, had the wonderful opportunity to meet with of organizations that are doing some incredible work around the world today in um, bringing the gospel to those who don't have a way of hearing it. And, you know, you, you sit in those up meetings and you think to yourself, Is, never in a million years would I have thought that God would <laughs> yeah. call this person, this woman, so broken mm-hmm. and, and bruised, you know, to a, a, a leadership position like this. But I think, you know, some of the opportunities I've had to lead um, leaders in areas of human trafficking and leaders that are caring for victims and survivors in India and Thailand and Africa and uh, just to, to let them know that their life is valued. Mm. Uh, God does not waste anything in our lives, even our pain and suffering or difficulties. He can turn that around and transform that so that your story uh, will bring his glory. You know, if we just learn to see how God's love um, envelops us and cares for us, he can transform our lives. You know, I'm, I'm just an example of that of a woman who was so lost and heading down such a path of destruction and power and, you know, wanting all this power and realizing I have nothing without mm. the Lord. Mm. And just to know that, that whatever your story is, you know, that God can change it. He can transform it uh, so that others would see his power and glory in and through your life. Mm. So that's been a, it's a great privilege for me and it's a great privilege to, introduce women even now all over the world uh, to see that their life matters to God Mm -hmm. and they are just as important to him as as any woman is who might be leading another kind of ministry they have a ministry and they have influence right in their own community in their own circle Mm -hmm. of friends and family and so every woman is valued and has opportunities to find hope and healing in the person of Jesus Christ that's your mission statement right it is. It is. Say yeah. say the mission statement. It is um, helping hurting women around the world find hope and healing in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't you love that? Okay, so everybody listening, think about your mission statement. What are you passionate about? Yes. Write it down. Write down the elements and then put it all together in a statement. And then that'll help you figure out, is this for me or is this not for me? Yes, am I supposed to right. do this? Am I not supposed to do this? It's not an automatic yes. It's a filter to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to develop that? Well, I'm still developing it. Awesome. I was meeting with one of my advisory board members this morning. And <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing a planning meeting next weekend in Atlanta. And so we're still, I'm still developing it. Yeah. And, you know, 20-something years 
yeah. uh, with the Lord. And, uh, you know, Refining, I just, we're still, yeah. absolutely still define it, but mm-hmm. it does become that filter, Heather, mm-hmm. of one of the questions we're asking in this meeting, what are the things I say yes to, and what are the things I say no to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's that filter, making sure you have real clear vision, mission, and focus mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and allowing other people to do what they're called to do, not trying to do everything. So. Okay. Lightning round. Yes. What book are you reading right now? You can't see oh, the Bible. Yes, well, of course, scriptures, but I am reading this good book, The Power, and this is something that we talked about today, The Power of the Other. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud. Yeah, and it the really boundaries does, guy, the boundaries guy. Yeah, 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 and it talks about the effect that other people have on us mm. from the boardroom to the bedroom and beyond, right? Wow. Putting those people around you, it's just what we were talking about today, that community, those your people who are your people mm-hmm. because they can they can add or they can take away from what God is calling you to do so yeah I'm reading that and then I'm also reading a great book uh, by Sean Boltz called Translating God which is a great book also about prophecy fabulous okay and then what is your worship song when you meet with God in the morning what's the one that'll just really hit you right now uh, well right now it's still um, Jonathan and Hessler, no longer slaves. Yeah. We are no longer a slave to fear. Yep. But we are children of God. That one, that'll get you to your feet, I tell you what. That's right. Yeah, still does it for me. (laughs) It does for me, too. Oh, Peggy, I'm so thankful to get to share you with all the gals that listen. And where would they find your ministry project, Hannah? Is there like a site that they could go to? I'll put the link in the the show notes, but if you mention it here. Absolutely. They can go to www dot project hannah p-r-o-j-e-c-t-h-a-n-n-a-h dot org project hannah dot org fabulous and they'll see a message there from me i've got a little message uh from the global ministry director just sharing the vision for project 10 in the future very exciting yes i know transition is not easy but i'm, I'm excited for all god has for you yeah he's so faithful thank you heather so so wonderful being with you and hearing your voice so great oh so it's fun for me wonderful work you're doing oh thanks it's easy it's easy because it's so fun all right well thanks peggy and good luck on all your travels thank you heather i'll talk to you soon okay bye my hope is that you were just encouraged by peggy's story by her um hard part of her story that if you have gone through something similar that you would reach out to another believer and someone you can find to be a safe place and share your story, that you can lean on them to help you walk through the healing process. I also hope that you still heard in Peggy's voice the pain that she's experiencing now in her new position and just her new uh, change, Uh, her mention of loneliness and recognizing the value of community, that it's not like we're done, (laughs) that we go through something hard and then we never do again. And more than anything, I, what I've been recognizing, especially as we've been going through this ch- James chapter one, is that that pain isn't pointless. That uh, the greatest trial, this is what my pastor said even today, the greatest trial is no trial. That if we don't have pain, we don't know dependence. And we wouldn't know the wisdom 
that we gain. I think that verse in James where it says, if anyone is asking for wisdom, uh, just ask me and I'll give it to you, says God. But I think we often interpret that as, okay, I'm trying to decide if I want to take this job or this job, or should we move or should we not move? And if we ask God, he'll give us wisdom. And I know that he does help guide us in our decisions, but in this context of trials and endurance and pain, I think, and from what we've been kind of studying, I think that wisdom is when you've gone through pain, ask God to give you wisdom in it and he will. He will teach you about who he is and who you are in him if you will ask him for that wisdom. And uh, a a couple shared this Sunday and they said, pain isn't just something to go through. It's a way to grow closer to Christ and to also grow closer to each other. My faith, I found, is emboldened when I see God work in your painful place. If we allow each other in and we don't hide it and try to keep up perfection, which isn't actually attainable this side of heaven, if we hide it, then I don't get to see the answers and the healing and the process and see how faithful God is to you in your pain. Uh, I had shared something with one of my mentors that was really painful for me and she'd prayed over me. And then this week, two weeks later, she'd asked me about that situation and I was able to rejoice with her and with tears and say, where I was two weeks ago, it's 180 now. God has done above and beyond what I could have imagined. And she got to rejoice with me and her faith was emboldened as she got to hear the results of that trial and that pain. So more than anything, I hope this episode has encouraged you to reach out to a safe person, to be a safe person, to make that time with Jesus, and to really grasp what that means to meet with Him, and to gather together. To gather together with other believers and to share your painful things and not to hide them, but in your vulnerability, others will be vulnerable. I've found it time and time again. If I say I have struggled with something, that other person will be free to say they've struggled too. Okay, so that little bit that you just heard, that outro is actually recorded back when I first released this episode with Peggy. And so I found it interesting, the confidence with which I spoke about. God using our pain and the James verses to count it all joy, brothers, um, because it was before I walked through my hardest trials to date, um, the loss of my father, walking my mom through cancer, um, even just homeschooling last year, just all the things that I have gone through in the last two years. And since I said <laughs> we need to be vulnerable and share what God's doing and how he's working, I felt prompted to share with you what God did for me this past week when I was at family camp. Um, Before we left, on the Friday before we left, my good friend from high school, and it was in my wedding, her 14-year-old son was tragically killed in a car accident. And we also found out that another friend's daughter had a brain tumor that would be operated on all day Monday. And in in both instances, they hit me hard, hard. I mean, obviously, friends going through hard things hit you hard. But there was something else in me that I couldn't figure out, Um, something that's been inside me that has been, I don't know, like a block or a stop. Um, I've been going through the grief process, but just felt kind of stuck recently, a lot of more anger than usual, Um, not really connecting with God in the way that I know is possible because I've experienced it. Well, we get to our first day of speaker sessions, and the speaker for us this week was our camp director. 
And he's just going through some um, overall theological ideas before we studied the book of Ruth. And one (laughs) or two phrases hit me that he shared. They hit me really hard. So one was, when we worry, it's us believing that God isn't going to get it right. And when we're bitter, it's believing that God got it wrong. And something in me, it was just, it, it quickened my spirit. Like, that's it. I believe God got it wrong with my dad. I believe in my heart that God got it wrong. You could tell me all the theology about counted all joy and all the things that I know in my mind about how God cares and how he can, but my my inner soul parts were believing a lie that God got it wrong and that I knew better than God does in that situation. And in God's grace, um, even though the enemy would want to keep pushing me down, to think, well, with your friend's son, God got it wrong. With your friend's daughter, God got it wrong, just like he did with your dad. But graciously, he uh, allowed me to be at camp with some friends I've been friends with for a long time who have been walking through this prayer journey with me. And uh, after talking a while about what I just shared with you, um, one friend, Erin, offered to pray for me. And through her prayer and my other friend's prayer, just felt God asking me, to confess that belief that he got it wrong. And I did, and I felt the Holy Spirit just move in me. I accepted that forgiveness. I asked the Holy Spirit actually to reach in and remove whatever root of bitterness there was, any spirit of bitterness. And y'all, I've, I'm have i here to say that I believe God healed me of that. It's you know, always an ongoing journey, but to pinpoint something, to put and shine a light on it. I don't know where you are, if you're believing the same thing or if worry and fear have you stuck, but there is power in confession. There's power in praying in a group of people. Um, so I just want to share that with you so that your faith, uh, could be emboldened that God does heal those things that when we go through hard things, there is still work to be done in the heart level. Even if our mind knows truth, even if we've been a part of the church for a long time. And for those of you that Peggy's story of abuse um, struck a chord because it's personal, that's what you're walking through. I want you to know that God is not only with you, but he is orchestrating even this conversation to help you realize that you're not stuck, that there is a way out. It's going to take some boldness and some bravery to seek out resources. Um, I've put resources in the show notes um, I'm hoping that God will, he will direct the right people in your path who can give you um, what you need to get out of the situation you're in. Uh, so know that you're not stuck. You're never stuck and that God is fighting for you. He loves you so much. He does not want you to be treated that way. And I know this is such a sensitive topic and I don't want you to feel um, isolated in what you're walking through. All right. Thank you all for tuning in for this mentorship series. We'll have one more week next week and then a week off and then some fresh new interviews coming your way in August and a new look. Stay tuned for more details about that. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. 
He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.